Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% of the population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military. And the other 99% of us, we owe them. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veterans Show, and it is an important one as we recognize the 80th anniversary of the Battle of Midway that was going on 80 years ago as I speak and as you listen. So we'll have that coming up with some incredible archive newsreel coverage, and uh, I just love bringing that to you here on the program. We couldn't do this episode or any other without our presenting sponsor, attorney John Boson and his team fighting on behalf of veterans every single day. Thank you to John Boson. It's B-O-E-S-E-N-Law.com, BosonLaw.com, and their number, 303-999-9999. Straight ahead. Great damage was done to Japan's fighting ships, many of which were hit and were soon blazing furiously. Admiral Nimitz, Commander-in-Chief... One of the BBC reports, the newsreels, on the Battle of Midway that was going on. Also, this program, in our next couple of segments, we pay tribute to D-Day, the 78th anniversary of the most incredible military operation, I think, in human history. The amphibious assault led by the Allies, and, of course, many of you know the history, the 78th anniversary of D-Day will actually be tomorrow. And on our regular program, of course, we will have much more and much more archive sound. Remember, well, the Supreme Commander was then the future President of the United States, Dwight D. Eisenhower. And do you remember what he told those troops? Can't get enough. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the Great Crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, 
the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man to man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Many of you have probably heard that Dwight D. Eisenhower was so nervous, and it kept being postponed, remember, because of weather. But it would eventually be June 6th, 1944. Ike was said to have always had a cigarette or two burning. And in the end, thank God for our greatest generation. Glad you were with us again. More on D-Day coming up. And later in the program, speaking of World War II and our greatest generation, we have our friend Joe Weinmeyer, World War II veteran, United States Marine. He handled the flamethrower. He's been a friend of the program and a dear friend of mine for years, well, more than 12, 13 years. And he will wrap up the program with us. He joins us in studio. As mentioned, it was 80 years ago as we speak that the Battle of Midway, just after the Battle of the Coral Sea, not just too many weeks prior, Midway and the battle was underway. Here the United States forces met and crushed a full Jap battle fleet. By sheer weight of numbers, the Japs hoped to overwhelm and conquer our mid-Pacific fighting forces. The Japs had carefully planned this sneak attack. They gambled all and lost. The Battle of Midway, the Japs hoped, would be their stepping stone to Pearl Harbor, Australia, Alaska, and eventually the United States mainland. Here the Japs received a mortal wound. Here our defenders were ready. First in the air were our Marine Corps fighters, then our Army flyers, and finally our fighting Navy all working in complete unity and concentrating relentlessly and successfully upon the common enemy. The toll of enemy fighting power was decisive. Three Japanese battleships, possibly four cruisers, three transports and one destroyer were sunk. The loss of the Jap aircraft carriers was extremely heavy. Two or three sunk and two badly damaged. On this Allied bomber can be seen part of the destruction wrecked upon the enemy. As the Jap fleet turned about, battered and beaten, the Battle of Midway became America's outstanding success, and one that may decisively change the balance of striking power in the Western Ocean. of terrific anti-aircraft fire, Jap planes like this one swoop close, their suicide pilots knowing full well that their battle is ended.
fire. These are the first pictures of America's great naval victory in the Pacific. Army, Navy, and Marine planes, cooperating with the fleet, surprise a Jap invasion force sent to capture strategic Midway Island, stepping stone to Hawaii and the North American continent. U.S. planes roaring to the attack amid a rain of anti-aircraft fire. pictures of the Battle of Midway, filmed from high above the Japanese fleet. Enemy ships turn in tight circles. Evasive action against U.S. bomber and torpedo plane attack. Watch closely and you can see our bombs exploding around the Jap warships. A U.S. patrol bomber sweeps by the camera plane. Down below, an enemy cruiser of the Mogami class is heavily damaged by our bombs. Fierce clouds of smoke pour from her blazing decks. While our planes are out, Japanese torpedo bombers swarm in to attack U.S. naval forces. Anti-aircraft fire from our guns meets the attack. Burning Japanese planes smokes on the ocean surface, but Jap bombs drop dangerously near. The bursts are farther away now, and wrecked Jap planes dot the scene of action. Now this task force can go about its business again. Japan's powerful thrust against Midway is stopped dead in its tracks, routed by U.S. air power. Again, many said the Battle of Midway just about six months after Pearl Harbor was perhaps the turning point of the Pacific Theater, but of course, hell on earth would exist. Four Japanese aircraft carriers that participated in the battle destroyed. Also, the loss for the United States of the USS Yorktown. We are just getting started. Coming up in our next couple of segments, we commemorate and pay tribute to the Battle of All Battles, the invasion, the battle on Normandy, at Normandy. You know it as D-Day. We'll have that next. I'm Stefan Tubbs. We are underway. Stay with us. More of the American Veteran Show coming up. AmericanVeteranShow.com Now, back to the American Veteran Show. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the Great Crusade. The Great Crusade. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show as the next couple of segments. We commemorate the amazing, the unthinkable, really, when you think about what the Allied forces did 78 years ago tomorrow, June 6, 1944. Simply amazing. In the early dawn of D-Day, June 6, 1944, the largest battle armada in history heads across 80 miles of rough channel water from England to the northern coast of France. Barrage balloons and a massive concentration of air and surface guns protect the 4,000 warships 
transports, barges, craft of every kind in the invasion convoy. Here is the major striking force of the greatest military undertaking the world has yet known. Here, after years of building, equipping, training, after months of minute, intense tactical planning, here is the decisive thrust at Hitler's Europe. For weeks preceding, thousands of Allied bombers had carried out crushing, almost non-stop attacks, dropping more than a third of a billion pounds of bombs in 60 days. Now, through heavy flak on invasion day, they smash at enemy transport centers and defense installations on the Cherbourg Peninsula. Explosives fall on a railroad yard at Avranche. All Allied planes were the new zebra stripes of the invasion command. inland town of Saint-Lô is left grazing. The city of Caen, directly in front of our approaching armies, 115 miles from Paris, is hit. Marauder and Havoc fighter bombers smash Nazi barges, planes, and railway trains. on the shore. Among the warships pouring ton upon ton of steel into Nazi defenses is a mighty veteran, USS Nevada, back from the grave at Pearl Harbor. Again, the bombers. They strike at the widely publicized Atlantic Wall and help smash it to pieces. Now, just offshore, the convoy unloads. Heavily armed troops swarm into barges to head for shore and the assault on France. A signal corps camera slate tells the story. Went in D-Day, each hour plus 30 minutes. Fire. This is it. Navy shells drop in the background. 
The beach is loaded with mines, swept by enemy bullets. In the center of the screen, two Americans fall in this assault wave. A tiny beachhead seized. Americans huddle in the cover of a cliff whose heights the enemy still controls, digging in to await the mounting of the next attack. Medical corpsmen attend our wounded. The first Allied casualties were back in England again by evening of D-Day. German wounded are cared for too. Three German prisoners look dazedly across the channel. Here, on a beach in France, lie American dead. The battle goes on. As quickly as possible, the infantry must move on in to re-establish contact, boatload with boatload, and to join with Allied troops who landed behind the lines by parachute, glider, and transport. Simultaneously, on the left flank, British Commonwealth troops drive shoreward in the vicinity of Saint-Aubin. Automatic cameras in the invasion barges record the determined tenseness of this first moment of battle. essential for the battle against the Nazi reserves. The great race begins to defeat Marshal Rommel in the all-important race for supplies. German soldiers, once guardians of the West Wall, are now prisoners of the Canadians. An Allied destroyer flying Eisenhower's four-star flag brings Allied leaders to France, Admiral Sir Bertram Ramsey and General Dwight Eisenhower. General Montgomery comes aboard. <laughs> Lieutenant General Omar Bradley, center, chief of U.S. ground forces. Montgomery goes ashore to take personal command of British troops. Pressing forward toward the capture of Isigny and Carentan, Americans are welcomed and helped by the Normandy French. This is a glorious and fateful day for France. German prisoners, part of a total haul which now exceeds 10,000. They are interviewed by U.S. soldiers. Just a few hours ago, they were apparently permanently safe behind the Great West Wall. Now they have given up the fight. 
And now we have taken the most decisive step of the war, invasion of Western Europe. In Winston Churchill's words, the commanders report that everything is proceeding according to plan. And what a plan! We've said it once probably dozens of times over the years now that we are into season six of the program. I love bringing you the sounds from those old newsreels. And frankly, you consider the time. Once again, maybe some of them aren't, say, politically correct for, I don't know, 2022. But they sure as hell convey what was going on. And think about how the world, most certainly here in the U.S., that's how they were learning things way back when. We'll continue with our look at D-Day tomorrow, the 78th anniversary of this incredible invasion. That comes up next on the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stephan Tubbs. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. Of course, visit our new and improved website, AmericanVeteranShow.com. And yes, I admit we have been slacking. Got to get some more episodes up there and we will as soon as we possibly can. We continue now with our second segment as we look to tomorrow and the anniversary. I know right now it may be one of their last trips ever, but just earlier in uh, this week, in fact, it was less than a week ago, flying back to Colorado from San Diego, four World War II veterans, veterans of Normandy and D-Day, were all in wheelchairs, and they, as we speak, are in France. God love and long live our greatest generation. We continue now with a look back again tomorrow, the 78th anniversary of D-Day. The dawn of June the 6th comes up like thunder over the invasion coast as Allied heavy and medium bombers, following in the wake of Bomber Command, send down their share of the 20,000 tons of bombs dropped in the 24 hours preceding the landings. The softening up of the German defenses along a broad stretch of coast. Among the other of those 11,000 first-line aircraft made available for the battle are rocket-firing planes sending their fiery-tailed projectiles into strong points in the Normandy section of Hitler's so-called West Wall. shoot up aerodromes, trains, road convoys, canals, ammunition dumps, gun sites, and any enemy aircraft that come their way. Strafing such as you've never seen before, and typical of the sky war on D-Day, which the Luftwaffe could not match. Troop carrier aircraft, gliders, and tow planes mass for the takeoff signal to open the second front. The Allied Airborne Force formed the spearhead of invasion. Each plane carries the special invasion markings, the broad black and white stripes for easy identification by our own airmen. Last message given to the hundreds of men flown over was, we want you to raise all the hell you can on the backs of the Bosch. They did that and more. They swung a neat trick on the Germans by dropping lifelike dummies filled with explosives. The 
boarding ship for the Battle of Normandy. The army group carrying out the assault is made up of British, Canadian and American forces. From south of England ports go Monty's invasion men to spring their surprise on von Rundstedt's Nazis. Heading out to sea after a 24-hour delay because of the weather. Now that the flood of pictures of the invasion has started, we add length to our newsreel so that we may develop in fuller detail the pictorial history of the Western Front Offensive and do justice thereby to the great Allied undertaking. 4,000 ships and thousands of smaller craft. The gathering of the mighty Armada. Description pales before the vastness of the reality. The mind recoils from the dimensions of it all. amazing it is to think that from the very part of France to which they go, William I launched his assault for the Norman conquest of England in 1066, the one date in the history books most of us remember. Maybe in another 878 years, 1944 will be remembered equally well by this strange reversal of events when from England came the conquest of German-occupied Normandy. Warships of the Royal Navy, with units of the Canadian and United States navies, range their main armor on the coastal batteries. Enemy shells begin to drop among the landing craft, closing the shore. Beachheads are established. Across the broad expanse of sea, reaching to the distant, misty horizon, the bridge of ships and landing craft, which has its abutment on the shores of England. This is it. They're on the beach, plunging waist-deep into the sea and threading their way among the steel asparagus tops which project out of the water, the anti-invasion barriers with mines on their tips, one of the devices which was studied long before invasion began, one of the obstacles photographed by our reconnaissance planes and with the rest of Hitler's beach barriers was known to us as Element C. Smoke screens are blown across as we dig in on the newly won position. Right in the spearhead of attack, our Allied service photographic units and newsreel cameramen putting this amazing scene on celluloid.
first casualties are brought out to the waiting ships. Men wounded in the dash inland are ferried to the nearest sick bays aboard vessels standing offshore. Some of them come from landing craft blown up by mines. Others from the fighting now going on with increasing vigor. This is the English side of the channel. Tank landing craft have brought the wounded to our southern ports. Red Cross orderlies gently hurry the men to waiting ambulances. We expected far greater numbers of injured, but we were mercifully spared heavy casualties. With characteristic brilliance, the Navy keeps up its cross-channel service. Another miracle of work in which Canada and the United States shared right nobly. We're heading out again to the Normandy coast now, shrouded with a smoke pall from the raging battle. This was going on while Britain breakfasted to the first news of the Allied landings. These pictures take you right in among the men who are putting Dunkirk into reverse, planting themselves on the first bit of French soil to be won back after four years. According to the sign on the platform, this is the railway station of Bernier, a township hard to find on the map, but our lads got there just the same. The signpost points the direction to Saint-Aubin, ten miles north of Caen. Tanks begin to rumble ashore as our bridgeheads are extended. Armour for the assault and capture of Bayeux and the heavy fighting around Caen. Stiffening of resistance was to be expected. A Bosch with his face bashed about a bit joins the gang of his fellow countrymen taken prisoner. Just a few chipped off Hitler's army of occupation for whom the invasion bell tolls. We love bringing you the old newsreels, as we have said, and also... Let's not forget, not to shame and guilt, but tomorrow, if there is by chance in your circle of life a World War II veteran, even if they did not participate in the invasion, the storming of the beaches at Normandy, maybe reach out and say thank you. Because that generation, as simplistic as it may sound, saved the world. Speaking of a member of our greatest generation, my dear friend Joe Weinmeyer, United States Marine, Semper Fi to all of you Marines out there. And to you families as well. Joe Weinmeyer wraps up the program with us next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stefan Tubbs. 
As we wrap up our program this Sunday, what a treat. I mean, I had lunch with him, so why not drag him into studio? Arguably my favorite human being on the planet. It's Joe Weinmeyer, Semper Fi Marine. Semper Fi. What are you up to? We had you on the regular program, you know, last week, and, and then you've been with us several times. But, I mean, you're just weeks from your 96th birthday. You got any big plans? Right. Well, I'm waiting for 100 so I can really throw a blast. Well, I mean, can we all come? Oh, you're definitely. So you've got, you're counting down the days. <laughs> and you are, you know what, I know the um, the expression is, and you and I have been friends a long time. And, you yeah. know, look, people say, oh, you know, you get to a certain age and maybe you start doing this or doing that or you can't do this, you can't do that. I mean, what has been your secret so far, I mean, as you're on your, you know, the eve of your 96th birthday. Well, I, this is my own opinion. I think being as active that I have been in the past and at present, I think that's what keeps me going. Uh, keeps me from winding up in a wheelchair. Yeah, no, and you play golf, I what, play golf at least a few times a week? A couple times a week. And I go to the gym and work out a couple times a week, uh, go dancing on Friday night. Yep. And, I mean, I just try to stay as busy as I can. Were you ever a drinker, a smoker? Do you see, like even in your younger days, where you kind of put those things behind you if you did? Oh, I, I used to smoke, but I quit about 60 years ago. 60 years ago, yeah. yeah. And I still have my drink, you know, mm-hmm. I, Try not to overdo, sure, because uh, that's not good for you either. Everything in moderation. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah. Remind people of you know, and you're one of my my dearest friends I've ever had the pleasure of of meeting, right? And and yeah. I, I just I, I want to have our friends that that maybe don't know your story as well as I do. Remind us of your service. Well, I was in the Marine Corps from '44 to '46. I served in the Pacific. And thank God I survived the war and I was able to continue on with my wonderful life that the good Lord gave me. Mm-hmm. And you, you at some point, you know, somebody looks at you and says, oh, you'd be a good flamethrower. Yeah. Well, when I got overseas, I joined the 5th Division and they put us in groups where they needed the men. And I wound up in uh, headquarters company and in the demolition platoon. And we got out in the morning, fell out in the morning for uh, to get our what we were going to do. And, uh, of course, on my record and everything that was in there that I had flamethrower experience in uh, advanced training. Mm-hmm. So we're standing up there, we fall in. And the sergeant, he starts naming off, I need a, a BAR man, I need uh, this and I need that. And I, I need a, a flamethrower, Weinmeyer. <laughs> from then on, I was the flamethrower. Yeah, and you and I have talked before, both on the air and off the air, that you know, I don't know how long it had taken you to realize, gosh, if I go into combat with a flamethrower, what was the life expectancy? Two minutes. At two, for BAR man, it's a Browning automatic, and a flamethrower, 
lifespan, two minutes in combat. And explain why. I mean, obviously, I know a lot of people well, here, they know, but, I mean, you're a target. Well, of course. And they they, they feared the flamethrower and the BAR because they knew of the firepower that they had. I mean, you could burn out a pillbox or a bunker or whatever they had. Uh, you don't know how many Japs were in there. And... Uh, 10, 20, who knows? And one guy take out that many, you know, so of course you're you're the target right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Our guest is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet Earth, and he is, and I'm saying that, he certainly never would have me say that. <laughs> He'd go, ah, shucks, uh, I was just doing my job. But uh, Joe Weinmeyer is here, and you heard from 44 to 46 United States Marine Corps in the 5th Division. You know, we on this weekend's program have been talking about uh, the anniversary of of D-Day, and that, of course, specifically will be tomorrow, June 6th. What do you remember being in the service? What do you remember about June 6th, 1944? Well, it uh, certainly was a different lifestyle that I, than what I was used to. Uh, but did, I, you, did you get any communication? Since you're in the Pacific, and this happens D-Day, Obviously, in in Europe and and on the shores of of Normandy and and the beaches, I'm just wondering, you know, we didn't have, obviously, the communication stuff we have today. Plus, you're in the service. I'm just wondering how long it must have taken before anybody in the Pacific really knew. Oh, well, uh, we we heard fairly quickly. But for personal communication, it took uh, uh, some time, you Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. But uh, we seemed to manage and... We got through it. Yeah, thank God. Did you? Uh, I mean, you didn't. You certainly weren't seeing newsreels and and oh, and no. obviously no television. Uh, but but of D Day, you know, what did you hear about them storming the beaches there and and oh. and how it was the largest amphibious landing ever? All all of the islands in the Pacific, uh, we heard about, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Uh, the amount of men and equipment yeah. that go in, uh, and and of course, uh, the loss of life yeah. is tremendous. Do you feel like because of the time that you were in, um, I don't know, as you're again almost ninety six years young, that boy, you know what? I'm ready. I am. I, I took the oath. I'm ready. If if I die for my country, that that may happen. Well, I mean. Uh, we were trained for that, that there is a possibility you go into combat and you're going to lose your life, which a lot of the men did. And thank God I didn't. Mm-hmm. When, when uh, you know, whenever I can, I, I love to have you on. And as we yeah. wrap up, you know, I know you're going to be on with me yeah. again and again, whether you like it or not, right? But, you know, you look at the state of affairs right now, and, and we had talked even uh, earlier in the day when we had lunch. And I'm just wondering, tell our audience just real quick about, you know, if you were asked and you have been, hey, Joe, would you rather have – you know, today's issues, or would you rather go back to, uh, you know, maybe 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago? You ha- you have a quick answer. Take me back to the old times. Everything was simple, and there was more respect for one another. People worked together, and there was more honesty then than there is now. 
maybe a little more caring about your fellow man? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it, there's some of it even today yet. But back then, you could ask a complete stranger for help, and he'd do everything he could to help you. Mm-hmm. But today, you ask somebody for help, in a lot of cases, they just look at you like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, it's almost like rolling the dice a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And I know you're not happy about the economy right now. Uh, how much did you just pay to fill up your car? Four twenty nine. And it was like, what, more than 70 bucks? 50 bucks. 50 bucks for, a, but how much? A quarter of a tank. A quarter of a tank. Yeah. And you remember, what's the lowest, as we wrap up, I just, I'm curious. What's the lowest gas price per gallon you remember? Well, this is going way, sure. way back. Nine cents a gallon. Nine cents. That's back in the 30s. Yeah. You're amazing. Yeah. You know I love you. And yeah, love uh, Semper Fi, thank you for thank joining you, us as Semper always. Fi, thank you. Thank you, and the pleasure of mine to be I just love being on your show. Well, you're welcome any time. His name is Joe Weinmeyer. He's going to be 96. We'll, we'll wish him a happy birthday coming up later this month on the 26th of June. So 26th of June. That wraps up this week's program. For producer Michael Arpaio, I'm Stephen Tubbs. Have a terrific week ahead, and remember our troops. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veteran. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.